Please join me in the prayerful elimination. Let us pray. Give, giving God our word, O Lord, is sweeter than honey and more precious than gold and supplies us this reading and your Holy Spirit and lead us through the treasure of your will for in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24. Hear these words. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. The word of God for the people of God. So we're in the second week of our stewardship campaign. Um, you'll be receiving um, a letter from the church, a stewardship letter. I um, want to encourage you to open that letter, um, uh, to read it. Uh, there'll be a commitment card inside. Now, um, my usual thought, right, um, is uh, my dad said when we were growing up, anytime the preacher starts talking about money, you better hold on to your wallet because you never know what'll happen. Um, I, I wanna encourage you that when that stewardship letter comes, don't set it on the stack of bills to be paid. Don't, um, you know, don't lose it or, or put it someplace because uh, you know, we've still got two or three weeks, right? Who needs to fill out that commitment card yet? Um, what I hope that you'll do is open it up and I hope that you'll sit down as a family and talk about it. Um, I think what you'll find on the commitment card, usually when you, when, when you think about a commitment card, it, it has one important blank that you need to fill out, right? Um, and that's the how much are you gonna contribute? But, but I wanna tell you there's so many more important commitment opportunities on the card. Uh, in fact, uh, there's an opportunity for you to express interest in growing in your prayer life, a place to express interest in growing in studying the Bible, in finding a small group if you don't already have one, and to uh, be a volunteer caring for others if you'd like to. Now, um, we tend to think about commitment cards as uh, a way that you can benefit the congregation. But I really want you to um, realize that this year's commitment card is not about benefiting the congregation uh, because uh, I would say 80% of what's on that card is about how the church can support you. Because with each of those questions about wanting to grow in your prayer life, uh, your life of worship, your life of study, uh, there's a place on the card where you can ask for the church to send you resources on a regular basis to support your interest in growing in prayer, worship, study, or volunteerism. And I'll be even, we'll be a little bit more clear about this next week, but um, I'm willing to say that if you tell me through the card that you wanna learn how to pray daily, I'm willing to send you a daily email that has uh, an opportunity to pray. If you tell me you wanna learn about the Bible more often, I'll give you an option to sign up for an automated text or email from the church that'll help you walk through the Bible in 90 days. 
that if you want to grow in your faith, the commitment card is a great way to sign up for some resources, to be kind of part um, of a group of people who are gonna uh, be making changes to their life, right? Now, certainly, there's that spot where you tell me how much you think you're gonna give the church in the next year. I mean, let's not forget that. But the bulk of what stewardship is about is not about paying the church's bills, but rather us being stewards of what God's given us. Uh, Our own lives, our own families, our own community. And so I wanna encourage you, open up that stewardship letter this week. I think it'll be worth your time. I live in a house divided. I don't know if you live in a house divided, but I do. Oh, I'm going to fall. Um, A house divided. Some of you have heard me talk about this. My dad is from Red Bank, New Jersey. My mom is from Jasper, Alabama. My dad had never had mayonnaise sauce before, mayonnaise, before meeting my mom. My mom had never had marinara sauce before meeting my dad. Two worlds colliding together. My dad was an Italian Catholic. My mom was Southern Methodist. Some of you ask, well, Peter, if you spent most of your life in Texas, why in the world don't you have a Texas accent? It's because I come from a house divided. I come from a house divided that says, forget about it and bless your heart all at once. (laughs) If I look confused occasionally, it's because I am. I wonder, do you come from a house divided? For some of us in the last couple of years, our houses have become divided, not because one child goes off to the University of Texas and another goes off to A&M, but we find ourselves, I don't know, in a house divided. Like at my house, my daughter loves Marvel comics, just like flat out. I wish she knew something about Star Wars. (laughs) We're a house divided. Maybe your house is divided as well. Uh, Maybe somebody in your house is a Republican. Maybe somebody in your house ain't. (laughs) Maybe at your house you are all about the turkey on Thanksgiving and the rest of your family doesn't even notice there's a turkey on the table because they're all about the sides. Apparently these next two really stink, but some of you are about chili cheese dogs and others are about corn dogs. Apparently this is not a big split in other people's families except for my family. Jesus says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Let me go to the next one. Oh, you got rid of it. All right. Uh, Jake and I have been playing with the slides, and it's been wonderful. Um, uh, (laughs) Jesus also says that if you have two masters, you're going to love the one and hate the other. Or or you're going to love the one and and you're going to... you're going to despise the other. Some of you have heard this phrase around a house divided. Um, we often think about it in terms of Abraham Lincoln uh, addressing the union, talking about the issue of slavery and how a house divided cannot stand and how um, it will result in war or division uh, or uh, a dividing of the house. 
But Abraham Lincoln wasn't the first to talk about a house divided. Jesus talked about a house divided in the Sermon on the Mount, about helping us recognize that uh, one can only serve one master. Now, last week we talked about heart investment, right? We, we talked about that where your treasure is there, your heart would be also. And some of you found me during the week and argued with me, said, said, no, that's not true. That if you choose where your treasure is, then your heart has to be there as well. Someone else argued with me that why, does Jesus, why is Jesus only interested in where our treasure is? Why doesn't he address what our treasure is or why we have a treasure at all? I think what's important to notice uh, is that our heart gets divided unintentionally. It's not like we set out at a young age to decide that we will be a, a servant to 10 or 12 different masters. It's really something that happens slowly over time. We find ourselves dividing our attention and dividing our treasure and therefore dividing our heart. All it takes is a commitment to too many things or a couple of swipes of the credit card or, you know, I'm really entitled. I should go ahead and have that vacation even though I don't have the money. But you know, that, that bonus will come and I'll pay it off then. Our heart gets divided slowly over time as we make commitments. If you wonder about this, just go ahead and look at your calendar or your budget. Go ahead and wonder over your life, are there places and spaces where you wished that you could have been? It's a heart investment. I said last week about uh, how much of a difference it made in my family's life when we bought a house. That, that um, I used to sleep really well, and now I don't sleep so well, because I keep thinking about this house that I have 30 years to pay off, and how it needs to at least outlast the 30 years. Does anyone else think about this like I do? Right? All of a sudden, I'm cleaning gutters and trimming tree branches, and you know, you'd think I'm an arborist with the amount of time I think about the trees around my house, right? My heart is divided. Why? Because I've made a commitment to a particular place. My, my treasure is under that roof, and I want so badly for my family to thrive and grow right where they are. We divide our house, we divide our heart unintentionally, over time. It's subtle how it creeps in. I, I wanna say that um, as we make all of these commitments and find ourselves in debt to so many people or so many places or so many things, that there is the power of no. Oftentimes we think that Christians should be people who say yes all the time. Can you help the hungry? Yes. Can you help the unfortunate? Yes. Can you help the sick? Yes. Can you help the pastor? Hopefully, yes, right? <laughs> but the power of no creates the opportunity for a yes. If we say yes to everything, then eventually we run out of time, money, energy, and we probably have a little bit of resentment, even though the things that we're doing are good. It's the power of no. Now, I have to say that I, I'm not very good at the power of no. <laughs> Maybe you've noticed. <laughs> um, I tend to say yes to most things. In fact, um, just looking at the last four, okay, 48 hours or so, 
I started Friday night by going to the worship planning retreat. It was wonderful. If you didn't go, you missed out. Um, I spent all day Saturday at that worship planning retreat. We came up with great ideas. It was wonderful, right? Um, it ended at four o'clock. By 4.30, I was at a friend's house with my family celebrating Canadian Thanksgiving. I have no idea what the difference is between the turkey for Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving, except it seems to show up about six weeks early, right? Uh, so we had a wonderful time. It was very polite, because um, that's probably how Canadian Thanksgiving is. Um, and then I went home and uh, I fell asleep. Um, I'd already written my sermon, praise God. Um, I got up in the morning, I came up here, I was here at 8 a.m., I preached the first service, I taught a Sunday school class, now I'm preaching the second service. I'll eat lunch here as I plan for confirmation, and then I'll go to a board meeting for a nonprofit that I sit on, and then I'll come back and teach confirmation with my bag in tow for an overnight because I'm gonna catch a plane out of Hobby to Dallas because it's such a wonderful thing having students in seminary on staff that Perkins isn't so sure, uh, SMU, Perkins School of Theology, is not so sure I'm a good supervisor. And so every six to eight weeks, all the supervisors have to show up in Dallas for a whole day where they make sure they teach us basic skills around supervision because, you know, we may not be very good at that. <laughs> and then I fly back Monday night and I'll start my day on Tuesday here at the church doing pastor work. I have a hard time with the power of no. I would say that my house is less divided. It's probably just exhausted. <laughs> so how are you using the power of no? How is your um, heart investment happening? Is two too many for you? I would say yes, that two masters is too many for anyone. I, I have that hard time of saying no. Uh, um, one time, uh, uh, Grace was spending three or four months learning how to ride horses. She had her first horse show in a, uh, um, a couple of years ago in October. I had agreed to go on a grant-funded trip to London to learn about ministry in a um, kind of a post-church uh, uh, post age. And it was a great opportunity, travel to London for free, until I realized the trip went right over her first horse show. And so the night before the horse show, I recorded on FaceTime me telling my daughter how special I thought it was that she was having her first horse show that I encouraged her in that moment. I, I told her what I had seen her do so well in practice after practice. And then I said some words to her because, you know, Camerinos tend to run a little anxious and we worry. And I said, just remember, take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. And I emailed it to her. Did I wish I was someplace else? Oh yeah. Did I wish that I had said no and was at the right place at the right time for my daughter? Because I imagine anyone can learn about those things at any time. But you see, two masters is too many. When you think back over your life, are there spaces and places where you wish you'd said, uh, said no to an out-of-town trip or you had said yes to a children's program or you had modulated some of your commitments so you could be at the right place at the right time so that your treasure and heart would be undivided. I think we all have those moments where we wish we had been in the right place and the right time. That when we think about two is too many, 
It's hard to serve two masters. Jesus says it. You will love the one and hate the other. And it could be wonderful things. I mean, your masters don't have to be horrible, scary um, monsters that go bump in the night. Sometimes one of those masters is us. Sometimes one of those masters is our worry about money. Sometimes our master is what mom always said or what dad always expected or what our boss is going to think about us. Would you agree with me that two masters is too many? um, Jesus doesn't tell us that uh, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve wealth and God at the same time. It's not because he's anti-money. It's not because it's just a philosophical problem. The reality is is that serving two masters is a heart problem. It causes a a division inside of us. It it makes us resent one or the other. I I have a belief that too much of a good thing is still too much. It's taken me a lot of gallons of Bluebell ice cream to figure that out, but I'm willing to say that too much of a good thing is still too much. So you can say yes to so many things, right? Yes, I'll join a small group. Yes, I'll uh, be in worship every Sunday. Yes, I'm going to pray 24 hours a day. Yes, I'm going to help the poor. Yes, I'm going to be a great worker. Yes, I'm going to be a perfect dad. Yes, yes, yes. And you just run out of, of you. And it causes a heart problem because your heart wants to be in all the right places. But it's just too hard to get there. I think when we consider the fact that Jesus wants not just a part of our life, that Jesus doesn't want us to say allegiance to him on Sunday and then to everyone else on Monday through Friday, when we come to the realization that God wants all of our lives, not just a slice, that we have to then decide it's time to find and to commit to the master. Now, um, in my mind, sometimes we do not commit to God as our master because we have certain ideas about who God is. We think that God is some great, all-powerful accountant who's taking an account of all of our good and bad qualities. And right in the moment when we think we've balanced things out, he finds another thing we've done wrong. Why in the world would we want to serve a master who's out to get us? Or some of us, we think that God is so far removed, so uninterested in what's going on in our lives, that God wound up the world and, like a kid with a top, let it go and walked away. Why would we want an absent master as our master? So I think finding and committing to the master is an important step. And I would say the two behaviors that are most important to finding and committing to the master are embedding ourselves in scripture and having a prayer life. I think embedding ourselves in scripture because it's hard to commit to the master when we have no idea who the master is. And the Bible is a story, a, a, a document that helps us understand the qualities and nature and personality of the God who wants so badly for us to follow. 
And so we learn about a God who is um, a king who loves his subjects. We learn about God who is like a mother hen who brings all the chicks together and protects them. We learn that God is not a God far and removed, but Revelation 21 tells us that it's a God who will wipe away the tears from our eyes when life is difficult. It's a God I'm willing to serve. But if you don't know who that God is, it's good to go spend time in scripture. It's good to look and find that master. Now, in addition to that, I believe that prayer is one of those uh, behaviors that's so important, but that we kind of push it off to the side because we're not sure what to say, or we don't have time to pray, or we don't know how best to pray. You know, you just don't really want to mess it up, right? But I think to commit to the master, it, it means checking in. Checking in maybe daily, maybe weekly, a little bit more often than those moments that I like to call arrow prayers. You, you can also call them commode prayers, right? Oh Lord, I'll never do this again, right? Or an arrow, or a Hail Mary prayer, right? This comes from my Catholic background, um, right? You know, like, oh my goodness. I don't know how it's going to work out, but Lord, if you will, I promise I'll never do it again, right? To to commit to the master, it needs to be a little bit more often than I've really dug myself a hole here, God. Can you get me out? And that's why I think that stewardship is less about what we put in the plate And stewardship is about how we steward ourselves, how we are responsible for the influence that we offer, that we are responsible for the time and the money and the lives that are connected to ours so that we can make a heart investment, so that our treasure is where our heart is. I want to encourage you, over the next week, spend some time reflecting What are the masters that you serve? If there's more than one, then maybe it's time to have some hard conversations with yourself and with others so that you can whittle that down to that one master and then spend some time finding, understanding, and committing to that master. Some of us, I think, are so worried and anxious about the future, and I don't want to do a lot on this today because on the fourth Sunday we'll talk a little bit more about worry. But but some of us are so worried and anxious about tomorrow, but we forget that God provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and they are beautiful, and they are taken care of, and none of them worry about what will happen tomorrow. And so instead of thinking of a master who has this great list compiled of all of our defects just waiting to send us to a hot place, maybe we should think about God as some. As someone who loves us, who created us, who said we are good, and who has capable hands to hold not only the future, but the now, and who will provide for us if only we will commit to the master and choose to have a heart undivided. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.